morning we're going to continue to talk about, if you're new here at this place called Hope City, last week we sort of started a series on what is the core, or what is, the, what is this place about? And, and this morning we're going to continue on with that. And if you've been in church much in your life, there's a thing called discipleship that needs to be taking place in a church. So this morning what I'm going to be talking about for just a few minutes is the discipleship aspect of our church. Those of you who maybe are new to the church and you don't understand maybe what that, the word discipleship means, listen, here's what it is, and I'm going to break it down. It'll probably be on the screen. We are going to, at this place, teach you how to live like Jesus. You see, there's so much more than just someone coming to know Jesus Christ. There's so much more than just someone in a church service raising their hand and praying a prayer and maybe coming to the altar and getting handed a card that says, what's next? There's so much more to this. And that's why here at this place, we want to spend the time with you to get to know you, to have a relationship with you. Because if you hang out with the leaders of this church, if you hang out with the leaders of small groups long enough, you're going to find out that we are going to teach you how to live like Jesus. So it's discipleship. And that's all that Jesus did in his life. His ministry was just three short years, but he said to some, he said, hey, come follow me, and I'm going to show you how I live so that you can continue to live like me. There's a scripture here, and it's one of my favorite. I have many favorites, but it's one that I, I don't know many times that I've preached or taught from it. And the words will be on the screen if you have a Bible. It's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this, If anyone claims to live in him, he, she, we must walk as Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and here's the thing. I hear some people flipping scriptures in your Bible. That's awesome. That's a great sound to a pastor. But I'm just going to go through a couple quickly. So just look at them on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Listen to this. Be imitators of God. I'm going to stop right here and I'm just going to say, you see, there's so much more than just raising a hand. There's so much more than just knowing that you're going to heaven. You see, God has called us to be imitators of Him. And if we claim to live in Jesus, then we are to walk. Actually, that word means to live as Jesus did. And so here's the thing. We're not worried about getting a large number of people in a gym. We're not worried about seeing a lot of hands go up. What we are concerned with is what's getting ready to happen here a little later this morning. This is a huge number for us. For people who will say, I love Jesus and I'm not afraid to go public with it. This is cause for celebration. But there's another thing that needs to take place, and that's when someone comes to know Jesus, and then their life is transformed by the Holy Spirit, and they start to look and sound and resemble Jesus. That's huge for us. There's so many things going on in the church today, a lot of things going on in the church, and and I just don't see the power of Jesus alive and well in the church. Because I think a lot of times it stops with the raised hand and I'm going to heaven. And isn't that what this is all about? No. You see, it tells us that if we live in him, then we're to live like him. 
Galatians 2.20 is a verse that you'll hear us talk a lot about here at this place. Galatians 2.20, I'd love for you to turn in your Bible to see this one. Maybe if you have a pen, you could highlight or underline this one because this is a powerful verse that you'll hear us say many times over. And then I've got something that leads to this. Listen to this, Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Did you guys get that? But Christ lives in In me. See, here's the problem where the connection isn't working is that we have someone living in us and we don't know anything about him. We have someone living in us, but we don't actually know how he lives. I mean, would you ever allow someone to live in your house? Would you let someone come into your house and like live there, have free reign of your place and you know nothing about him or her? Would you ever let someone just come into your place and you don't know what their motives are? I mean, you wouldn't ever let someone come live in your house like that, would you? The answer is no. Could you do that for me? Say no. No. But I have, literally, furniture market, right? How many of you rent out your house for furniture market? Good. I've rented out my condo back when Daisha and I were first married. And we let some guy come in, and we had no idea who he was, what he was about, where he worked. And it backfired on us. About four days went through, and usually we would go and change the sheets and put new towels in there and get our mail. Well, one day, the guy wouldn't let us in our own house. He was there, and Daisha was calling me, and what do I do? I don't know. You just figure it out. And so... Eventually, she went back to the door and she knocked on it and the guy would never come to the door. We didn't know what was going on. We had a little mailbox in our door, you know what I'm saying, where the mailman would come and slide the mail through the door and it would fall into our living room. So Daisha got the bright idea. She was just going to lift it up and see what this guy was doing in there. And sure enough, he was there. He, she looked, lifted it up and looked, and this is no lie. He had barricaded himself in our house. And he was sitting in our living room on one of our chairs in his underwear. And when that mailbox door came open, he was sitting there, eye level with it. And he just turned and looked. We had to call the police. I'm like, great. This guy's going to kill himself in our living room. But you see, that's what happens when you let someone come live in your house and you don't know anything about them. So there is part of the problem with the church. We've got Jesus living inside of us, but we don't allow him to have control. and We don't really know what he's wanting to do. See, there's so much more that needs to be done in our life. And all we have to start doing is finding out who this Jesus is. I tell people when we're talking about discipleship and leadership, seriously, just read like the four, first four books of the Bible or the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and go through there and underline and highlight some of the things that you see and characteristics about Jesus. Today, what I've done is, in studying, I've tried to compile them and put them into four categories, just four, real quickly. Just four. That Because Jesus is living inside of us, you and I need to be emulating, we need to be putting off this kind of air if Jesus is living inside of us. The first one I have is love. And you say, well, that's simple. You're more loving. That's so easy. 
For God so loved the world, right? We all know that. But now this is the kind of love that I'm talking about. You ready? And it comes from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. This is the kind of love that I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 5. Look at it. It's in, it's in verse um, 39. Jesus is saying this. And he says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, you ready for this? Turn to him the other. You see, that's not the kind of love that our world is really accustomed to, is it? Now, now the word love has just been so watered down. It actually has no meat. And we throw it around all the time. I love you. I love you. Somebody probably in this church this morning told you, I love you. And what I hope that they meant, that no matter what you do to me, no matter what you say, no matter what happens, I am going to love you. This is one that God has been really working on me. He's been growing me and trying to mature me, and I've sort of been resisting it. (laughs) But I have been working on turning the other cheek. And it seems to be that it's almost on a daily basis that I'm having to learn to turn the other cheek. Because Jesus Christ lives inside of me. I am supposed to live and walk and imitate him. So I'm learning that no matter what someone does, it gets even harder. Listen to this. Same chapter, verse 44. Jesus goes a little wild and he says that you need to love your enemies. It's easy to love your grandmother, right? Like, Mamma is always so complimentary of me. I've never done one thing wrong in her eyes. She thinks I'm the best looking, nicest preacher, best grandson, and she loves me, and it's so easy to love her. It's so easy to love the person sitting beside of you. Here's the thing. If I keep you in here for about another hour, we'll see how that goes. Heat stroke, and we'd have 180 baptisms, people wanting to cool off. But it's so easy to love those who love us. And Jesus turns it up a notch and says, because I'm living inside of you, you need to live like I did. You need to love like I did. And you need to turn your other cheek when someone is talking about you. When someone's wronged you, you just need to turn the other cheek. And he says this, you need to love your enemies. You want to change a culture and a society? You start turning the other cheek in love and you start loving your enemies and you're going to see some radical transformation taking place in your little circle. But he didn't stop there. He not only said love your enemies, but listen to this. He said in your morning devotion time, you need to make a list of the people who have wronged you and persecuted you and you need to pray for them. I don't want to see a show of hands because I don't want to be embarrassed here this morning because we got a long ways to go. This is not a flash in the pan. We are on a journey. But I guarantee you there's not many of us in here who have actually prayed. Now, listen, praying for them to die is one thing. But actually praying for their well-being, those people who have hurt you, persecuted you, wronged you, how many times have we been desperately praying for those people? 
again. This is not about just knowing that we're going to heaven, but this is about bringing heaven to earth because we're living like the one who is seated at the right hand of God. We, church, need to live like Jesus. And we have to love. The second category that I just put it into, and this one is humility. Jesus was so humble. And I'm not going to spend much time here because this one is a pet peeve and I'll get on a soapbox and I will start to rant. But I will just say this, that a arrogant Christian is an oxymoron. Because if you're more concerned about you and your name, there's no way that you can be fully concerned about Jesus and his name. I cannot stand arrogance. It is a turn off. And if I cannot stand arrogance, I know that Jesus, the one that we're supposed to be emulating, cannot stand it. He says this. He says that he's going to bring the proud. He's going to bring them down. You've got to look through the Scriptures. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Anyone you want to choose, maybe all four, you will find that Jesus was never promoting himself or his movement. He was always promoting God and his movement. There's going to be amazing things taking place here in this movement of his. And if you call yourself a part of Hope City, the movement of God, you better always be giving the glory to God because he's the only one that's worthy of it. You see, he is the one who created it. He is the one who is going to sustain it. And he is the one who is going to move it in the direction that he wants, not us. If you claim to live in Jesus, you must walk as Jesus did. We're to be imitators of God. Jesus was humble. I know for some that's going to take some effort. And we're going to catch ourselves talking about us. And we're going to catch ourselves bragging about our church. And we're going to catch ourselves using the word I. No, not Jesus. Jesus was humble. And he always focused on the Father. Told you that was going to be quick. The next one. We're going to be imitators of God and we're going to live like Jesus we're going to love serving. We're going to love serving. Like, we're, we're going to be sitting at home at night, and we're going to be thinking about, how can I serve someone? How are some opportunities that are going to be coming my way that I can serve someone? See, Jesus set the example. John 13, 15, if you're taking notes, or it'll be on the screen. John 13, 15 says, I've set you an example that you should go and you should do as I have done before you. Matthew 20, 28, it says the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus set the unbelievable, and I don't know why, but I think he's messing with me when he set this example as he washed people's feet. He knows I hate feet. I was just telling a friend of mine who's struggling with some bad migraines out in the hall, and I was telling him about a pressure point that's like right here, like on your, underneath your big toe. And I said, if you can just squeeze on that, that's a pressure point. And they say it relieves pain and pressure in your neck and your head. And he said, well, why don't you squeeze my big toe? And I was like, I didn't. So 
I'm not a servant. I'm a learner. I'm, t- I'm working on it. But no, Jesus came and set the example, and he got as low as he could, and he served. And he says that I didn't come to be served. If anybody could have come to be served, it was him. Because Christ lives in us. This is a characteristic. This is going to be something that oozes out of us. You're going to be looking for ways to serve other people. And then the last one. It's probably the most difficult for us. Because our human nature is just the opposite of this. And it's if we're going to live like Jesus, we're going to be giving. We're just going to give. We're just going to give. We're going to see someone in need and we're going to give. We don't know how it's going to happen, but we're going to give. And here's how I know that the Holy Spirit is at work in someone when they are willing to go out of their way, when they are willing to get uncomfortable to give. And I'm not talking about because we're in a building project. No. I'm not even talking about finances, although that is a huge barrier that some of us face. I'm simply talking about giving in general. There's a young man here at this place who God is using in unbelievable ways. The Holy Spirit is working in his life and he's constantly hungry for more. He came up to me, we were downtown just a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday and there was somebody wanting a t-shirt. Hope City, here to serve t-shirt, I think. And he came to me and he said, hey, there's somebody wanting my t-shirt. And he asked me, is it okay if I give it to them? And I, he was wanting to know if he could get another one, you know. And I said, sure. I said, just take it right off and, and give it to them. Are we willing to do that? Thursday night I went downtown. We had some extra pizza from worship band. This, this group of people are unbelievable worshipers. And they have a Bible study every Thursday night. And I was fortunate enough to be able to hang out with them a little bit Thursday night. And we had a lot of pizza left over. And so... And my natural reaction is eventually when everything is left over, pizza or clothes or drinks or whatever, we all go downtown and we just give. So Thursday night I was downtown and my friend Ray was with me and we gave out the pizzas and we ran out pretty quickly because we didn't have but six. We gave them out really quickly, but we were hanging out. And on the corner of Smith and Green is a house where my friends live and his name is Sammy and Lee. And Sammy and Lee were on the front porch, and Sammy says to me, that I've, known, I've known Sammy for about seven years, and I've asked Sammy many times in the winter, hey, Sammy, is there anything you need? Do you need some clothes? Do you need some food? And Sammy has never once taken me up on my offer, never in seven years. But this Thursday night was a little different. Sammy says, Scott, it's, it's getting hot. I don't have any air conditioning here. Is there any way you can get me a fan? And my instinct was this. There's about 300 in our churches on Sunday that do this right here. I was just going to sign you up one every hour or so to fan Sammy. But then I was like, no way, man. Walmart has some cheap box fans. It's Thursday night. It was getting late, 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I'm just going to tell you, before God filled me with his presence, and before he filled me with his Holy Spirit, and before he started to mold me and grow me, is something that I probably would not have been too concerned with. I went down to South Main Walmart, which was 
a whole other experience in itself. And I got two fans, and I went and gave them to Sammy and Lee. Because if Jesus is living in you, you're just going to be giving. You see, these are the kind of things that we're going to be aware of. And if you're not in a small group at this church, and no, here comes the plug for small groups. No, no, no. Here's what I'm going to do. If you're not in a small group, I'm just going to say you're, you're missing out on a lot of discipleship. You're missing out on a lot of learning how to live like Jesus because it's too hot, and I don't have enough time in here this morning to do it in this setting. But there are some unbelievable Christ followers who are emulating Jesus, who love and are humble, and they serve, and they are so generous, and they're leading many of our small groups. And so if you want to know more about this Jesus lifestyle, that's the place for it. And so today you came in, there's little cards sitting in all of your seats probably. There's one nearby. There's a little place on there that says that I want to know more about small groups. And so that's what I want you to do today before you leave here. If that's what God is saying to you. Maybe you're not in a place in your life right now where you can't. But I can promise you, you soon will be. These groups are important. You heard Pastor Bradley say it. You're not going to make it through this life alone. You're going to learn to live like Jesus in these small groups. Because in these small groups, they go and love people, and they serve people, and they give. So today on your little connection card, I'd love for you just to say, hey, I'd just like some more information about it. doesn't mean you're signing your life away. But what it does is it starts the conversation. And it starts a relationship between you who may think that we're not real people. It starts a relationship between you and some very real people. You see, today what we're doing is celebrating. Today's a little different day for us. We're celebrating something amazing because what this represents today is that someone said yes to Jesus, but they're not going to stop there. They've said yes to Jesus. Now I want to go public and I want to show everybody that I love him. And so what happens today when you see maybe some of you for the very first time a baptismal service is there's going to be an individual be put under the water and they're going to be brought out of the water. And here's what this signifies. Because it's imperative that we understand this. This person is going to be put under the water, signifying, symbolizing their death. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. They're going to be put under the water. They're going to be held there for about a minute and a half. And then I was just wondering if anybody was paying attention. Good, you got it. They're going to be put under the water and quickly brought back up. I have a friend, Jolie, and I told him told to hold you under there longer. They're not. I was kidding. They're going to be put under the water and symbolizing their death. And then they're going to be brought back out. And when people are brought back out of the water here at Hope City, we celebrate like the winning goal was just scored. You hear me? Because it's much more important than anything else. Because this is them being spiritually brought back to life. No longer filled with the flesh, but controlled by God and His presence. That's what this means. And so there are people today that are coming 
And they're going to come right now. And you're going to come over here on this side. But I just want to say this before we go any further. And as they're coming, here's what I want you to know. Here at this place, we prepare for those of you who did not prepare to come to be baptized. Maybe you're in this place today. And you've accepted Jesus. You love Jesus. You know that you're going to heaven. But you've never actually taken the next step and gone public with that faith. But today, you didn't come prepared, but we are. And I don't want any hindrances of you being obedient this morning. And so if that's you, and you say, I love Jesus, and I'm ready to take my next step and go public with it. I'm ready to start living like Jesus did. I'm ready to start diving in and learning more about Jesus. I'm ready. Please come take the next step with us. We've got towels. We will help you dry off. We've got loving volunteers here at this place that will help you through this. And so what I'm going to do right now, if you're being baptized and you've talked to Pastor Brent, Pastor Brent and Pastor Brent are going to come up. I'm just going to ask you to come right now. And we're going to celebrate. Hey, Jesus, right now, we're just uh, thankful for your presence. Thankful for your presence. We're thankful that we're in this place. And there's people feeling this room today. Jesus, they want to know more about you because they want to live like you. God, I pray for the leaders in this church that, God, you'll help us. You'll give us the strength. And you'll give us the knowledge. You'll give us the patience to help people move along in their journey. God, I'm thankful that there's going to be people today that are going through this baptistry. They're going to be put down. They're going to be brought up. And God, there is going to no longer be hate in their life, but it's going to be love. They're going under, Lord, Lord, and and there's not going to be any more arrogance in their life. There's going to be no more pride in their life. There's going to be a humility that only you have put in them. And then, God, right when they go down, there's going to be the death of selfishness. And they're going to just start to look for people to serve. And they're going to start to look for people to be generous to. Because, God, when these people come up out of this water, you are living inside of them. And there doesn't really need to be any set stage or any time lapse. But God, today, when we come up out of this water, God, you have changed us forever. And we have a power that is living in us that is greater than anything in this world. So God, I thank you for allowing us to celebrate this right now. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And it's in your powerful name that we pray these things. Amen.